Hi, everybody. Thank you for welcoming us into your home, and thank you, Aldergrove. It's good to see you. Good to see you there, Rick, and uh, Don, and, and all the rest of you folks, and I uh, hope you're having a great Sunday together. Actually, this week, we're starting a new online platform, a, a new way of doing online church, and you get at it through our website. And this new uh, way of doing online church allows you to more easily access the Bible app. Uh, it's at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and you'll be able to interact with others in community when you're online. So we encourage you to check that out. So we're continuing on in our series, You in Five Years. And I want to talk about you living in freedom today. In this new series, uh, we're, we're learning what it means to, well, be transformed by the power of the Spirit. Last week, we learned that we can live guilt-free and that we can move away from uh, the disordered desires of the flesh and we can move toward desires of the Holy Spirit. And we are changing from the inside out. And so this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's to be transformed from the inside out. The passage that we want to look at today as we're doing a deep dive into Romans chapter 8 is verse 5 to 11. And uh, let's go through this kind of verse by verse and try to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying. Verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Let's pray before we begin. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul, who's written to us uh, some 2,000 years ago. Thank you that we can apply it to our lives today. Help us to be men and women made new. Help us to follow the desires of the Spirit in our lives and, and learn to uh, put aside the disordered desires of our flesh, which only lead to uh, destruction and harm. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is at work in us and that he is helping us to become more and more like Jesus. We thank you for that good work. We pray that we'd cooperate with it in every way. In your name, amen. So our passage is telling us that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who follow their disordered desires, and they have their minds set on them. Not only are they following them, they think about them a lot. They have their minds fixated on them. And then there are those who follow the Spirit's desires. And not only do they follow them, again, they have their minds set on them. You see, thinking creates pathways in their brains. And, and you've heard this before, no doubt, that... Uh, Neuroscience teaches us that our, our brains are a bit like a forest, and uh, I know my brain is pretty cluttered, and uh, it needs to have pathways, and those pathways are thought patterns that we, we will tend to follow, and when we, when we come to these pathways, we tend to go down them and follow the same path uh, time after time. And, and what this passage is saying is that the, those who follow the direction of the Spirit create new pathways in their brains to help them follow through in what the Spirit is saying to them. And those old pathways, those old disordered desires, they, they allow the, the brush to grow up in them so that they are no longer as accessible. They're no longer the thoroughfares of their mind that they used to be. And so uh, this is what Scripture is telling us. Uh, if we want to be the people of God, if we want to grow in our spiritual formation, 
We need to form these new pathways with the help of the Spirit so that our thoughts go down those pathways and we keep our mind on the desires of the Spirit. We do this through listening to, through meditating on, through reading the Word of God. And and you might put it this way. Let's carve the Word of God into our brains so that when we come to a certain circumstance, so we come to a certain difficulty, instead of uh, allowing our disordered minds to uh, freak out, to react, we say, no, here's what the Word of God teaches. This is where we need to go. This is where we can go because of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 to 8 goes on to say, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Wow. So the Apostle Paul's us in this particular, these particular verses, a contrast. The mind governed by the flesh, or the disordered desires, that's what we've been calling the flesh, is hostile towards God. It, it doesn't want anything to do with God. And, and I, I think today that, that we're, we're really seeing in our culture a crisis of authority and trust. People don't trust those in authority, whether it's business, whether it's government, whether it's the church, whether it's uh, uh, politics, whatever it may be. Uh, people are not very trusting these days of authority. And, and, and in, in particular, this has an effect on uh, people's relationship with God because God is seen as just another authority and he cannot be or should not be trusted. They won't submit to God. And this is exactly what our text is saying. Uh, people won't submit to God. And in fact, not only won't they submit to God, they can't submit to God because they don't have the Holy Spirit's what? superintending presence in their lives to help them yield to uh, the presence of Jesus and to do the things that uh, Jesus encourages us to do. Fascinating. In his book, The Last Word, atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel talked about the fear of religion. In other words, the, the fear of authority. He says this, I speak from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. In other words, what this, this atheist is saying is that uh, not only does, does he not believe in God, he really hopes there is no God because he does not want to submit to any authority. I, I first discovered this when I was a university student and living in dorms and, and talking to my friends in dorms about God. And, and, and I found that I could convince them that, uh, that God existed. That, I mean, it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist, to, to not believe in God, because all the evidence is out there, you know, the heavens declare his glory, that, that there is a God. There are supernatural occurrences. Uh, there is, in fact, the, the creation of the world and all the rest. There, there's good evidence that God exists. And, but my friends would come to the point where they say, but 
I think you're right. I think there, there very well could be a God. But I choose not to believe. I choose not to become a follower because I know that if I believe in him, then it's going to make a difference in how I live my life. I would have to yield to his authority. I, I, I couldn't sleep with my girlfriend anymore. I realized that. I couldn't use drugs anymore. I, I couldn't go on the alcoholic binges every weekend that I'm used to doing. No, I don't want authority in my life. I want to do what I want to do. And, and this is really the, the current um, position of many people. Many people today are what we might call practical atheists. Um, they may not articulate that they don't believe in God, but they act as if they don't believe in God. They act as if there is no authority uh, over them. Uh, so the mind governed by the disordered desires cannot please God, it says. And, and this leads to death, permanent death. But the mind controlled by the spirit, on the other hand, the contrast is it leads to life and peace. Now, I think we all know, and, and you've probably heard this before, and it's something that my wife as a music teacher would say, uh, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. If you practice the wrong way, it doesn't make perfect at all. It just entrenches in you uh, the bad habits. And, and this is exactly what this passage is saying. That as we practice the desire of the Spirit, as we yield to the desire of the Spirit, we become, uh, uh, we create these, these permanent pathways, this, this permanent way of, of life and peace and freedom in our lives, which is good and healthy and is really the best way to live. Now, let's go on. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 10. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they did not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So this is saying that God's Spirit has taken up residence in us. Our thoughts, then, are more on Him than our thoughts are our thoughts on the disordered desires of the flesh. And the Holy Spirit enables this change. This is not something that we do on our own. This is something that the Holy Spirit living in us produces. Life and peace, a desire to follow the authority of Scripture, a desire to follow the way of life. This is what it's promising us. So it's not up to us. It's not all on our own. It's not of our own strength that we change and we become more Christ-like. It's His Holy Spirit working in us. We can't do it on our own. Everyone who welcomes Jesus into their lives has the Holy Spirit. That's what it's saying. Don't worry. You have the Holy Spirit in you if you have welcomed Jesus into your life. And he is able to do it. And, and don't expect non-believers to understand this. They can't. Because this is something that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Well, since Christ is in us, though we still suffer the limitations of sin, and, and he's talking here about physical death and, and about the temptations that we face, although we still suffer limitations because we live in the flesh, we live in our physical bodies, that's what he means, uh, we enjoy the life-giving spirit of Jesus, and this leads us to a life of love, of supernatural interventions, 
in our lives, as we follow the leading of the Spirit, as we allow those new pathways to form, as we meditate upon the Word of God, as we endeavor to put the Word of God into our lives and into our hearts and into our brains. We enjoy the life of belonging to the community of the kingdom of God, which is a tremendous community, and, in, and this sense of belonging and joy and hope and love that we have, because we know we belong to a family of love and of care and of commitment to one another. Well, verse 11 goes on to say this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. In other words, the Apostle Paul saying that there's even more to the story. Not only is the Holy Spirit in you, taking you from deadness to life, taking you from living after the disordered desires of the flesh to living a life of life and peace and freedom. Not only is that all happening internally in your life as, as you are a follower of Jesus, to top it off, since the Spirit of Jesus lives in us, God will raise our bodies from the grave. Hey, even better news than the transforming power of the Spirit in us, someday He is going to transform our physical bodies to be immortal bodies so that we can live forever and ever and ever with Him. So, if the Spirit of Jesus lives in us, and He does, then we are truly free, free from the tyranny of our disordered desires. Remember, the Holy Spirit frees us from that tyranny. Freedom to follow the leading of the Spirit. Freedom to live the very best kind of life. And freedom to live again. You know, it's tremendously freeing to know that this physical life is not the only life that we'll have. Uh, that we will live eternally with Jesus. And when we know that, when that gets into our heart of hearts, when that, when that becomes a pathway in our brain that we go, to, go down whenever we feel afraid or whenever we feel uh, perhaps as if we've missed out on something or perhaps because uh, we're, we're feeling like we're struggling with some issue, if that becomes a pathway that, that our brains go down and say, hey, no, this is not all there is to it. There is more life to come. I'm looking for my eternal future with Jesus, right? That makes all the difference in the world. It really frees us to believe, to understand, and to have in mind that we will live again. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these promises in this text that your Holy Spirit is at work in us making us free, bringing us to life and peace, moving us away from the disordered desires of our fleshly natures, from, from our human condition, and moving us towards being more and more like Jesus, a life of peace and joy and love and a life in community, a life, a life that begins to think in ways that the Holy Spirit will help us to, to uh, think so that we can truly be free, that we can truly be the kind of people who reflect the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those who might be listening to me who've, who've never made that decision to ask Jesus into their life, who, who don't really understand what we're talking about. Lord, I pray that they would welcome Jesus today into their lives. And, and for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would learn to allow your Holy Spirit and allow your word to create new ways of thinking so that we are not stuck in old patterns of unhelpful behavior and thought. In your name we pray.
for your honor and glory. Amen. The question of the day is this. What is your plan to allow the word of God to carve pathways in your brain? What's your plan? How do you intend to do that? How do you get more of the word in you? Would you think about that? Would you make a commitment to that in the next few minutes as you listen to some music? And I'll come back with a concluding comment. Dr. Wilder Penfield, a number of years ago, discovered while doing open brain surgery. So they take the lid of the brain off and he's working on someone's brain. And actually they're awake while he's doing this. Uh, they're feeling no pain because uh, they've uh, anesthetized his, their brain or their, their skull. And actually the brain itself does not have any nerve cells for feeling. And so they're operating on someone's brain and they're awake. And uh, he found that when he touched certain parts of the cortex of the brain, People were having flashbacks to memories they had, even from their childhood. And they remembered certain sights and certain smells and certain sounds and certain memories that maybe hadn't been, been present or, or really in their short-term memory, but it just came so vividly to them. And they would tell them about what they were seeing or, or hearing in, in tremendous detail. And so what scientists and neuroscientists discovered is that that everything that we experience, all our memories are stored in our brains, but not all of them are available for immediate re recall. Many of them just fade into our subconscious, and unless they're touched with a probe, an electric probe, they don't really spark to life. We're not really remembering them. In fact, what the neuroscientists say is that only about 3% of our memories are actually available for recall. Only about 3%. Oh, that's probably a good thing. Otherwise, our brains would become very cluttered. Well, how do we make sure that the spirit's desires don't fade into sub subconscious? How do we make sure that, that, that the scripture uh, that we read, that, that the teaching of Jesus, that, that the call to be a follower of Jesus doesn't simply just fade into our subconscious? And, and how do we make sure it's front and center in our minds? Well, I think the key is simple. It's review and repetition have of course you've probably learned this about your memory that if you want to remember something you need to review it and repeat it regularly in fact most of us have problems remembering people's names and you know when you forget someone's name when they introduce them to you almost immediately after they introduce themselves you, you won't recall their names and so the way to remember people's names is to repeat their name and re and review it almost immediately after they introduce themselves. So say, hey, John, um, they say, hi, how are you? My name is John. And then if you respond by saying, hi, John, it's good to meet you. It's more opportunity for your brain to remember. And then a minute later in the conversation, use their name again, because you'll remember it a minute later. And then maybe five minutes later, maybe after the conversation, say, yeah, that was John that I was talking to. And then a half hour later, you say, who was that person? It was John. You'll remember it. And so here's the key to allowing the Holy Spirit to help us to create new pathways, new ways of thinking, so that uh, we move away from the disordered desires and we move, away to the, move towards this, the desires of the Spirit is review and repetition. The Word of God, how are we going to do that? We need to read, we need to review, we need to think about these things. Remember it says that when the Holy Spirit is in us, He will cause us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. He will cause us to want to think about them. When we think about them, they come available in the uh, uh, 
part of our brains that we easily recall and we begin to live as Jesus would have us to live. Well, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.